Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hey, ladies, it is good to be with you as we dive into the Word of God this morning. I have never taught um, on this particular passage, and this is something that the Lord this very morning has encouraged me with in my spirit and in my walk. And so it is uh, fresh and it is new, and I am excited to share it with you so that it might continue to Um, to minister even to me. So I'm going to pray for us. This is Paige here. And again, it's great to be back with you. Lord, I pray that you breathe life into your words, that they come alive as women listen. I pray right now that you just soften the soil of each of our hearts and that you plant life-giving seed as we open your word. Because the book of Isaiah says that your word is like seed that goes out, and it it accomplishes the purpose for which it has been sent. And so I trust God, uh, knowing that there's a purpose, that you quickened this into my spirit, that there's a purpose, God, that today is podcast day, and that you've dropped this word because you know there's a listener at whatever time and whatever place that's going to hear this and that's going to be ministered to from it. So I submit it back to you. I say, make me your vessel, set a guard over my mouth that I may not transgress with my words, but that I may bring life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Um, so I'm going to primarily be teaching today from Matthew chapter 4, but this particular narrative um, is, is surrounding John the Baptist, Jesus, Jesus' baptism, and then the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. You can really find information about that in, in the Gospels, the other Gospels as well. So I'm just going to be coming to you from the text in Matthew, but I, um, I may reference other passages that I've read prior to coming on to the podcast. And so I think that um, there's a tendency I have um, about reading, especially from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and having some pride, if I'm being honest, where I think I've, I've read this before, I've heard this before, I don't really want to read it again. Isn't that, that feels embarrassing to even say that, but God knows my heart, nothing's hidden from Him. Um, and so I would just say as a blanket statement that whether it is reading a certain passage, whether it is praying, whether it is doing something that you've done before, when there is a resistance to doing it, that is the enemy not the Lord. And usually there is something life-giving on the other side of whatever that resistance is toward. So if you have not been in your word lately, if you have not been in community lately, um, whatever the, if you've not been able to come before the Lord in in prayer, um, because either it feels too familiar and it hasn't felt fruitful or uh, because it's not making the priority list because life certainly does get busy. Um, I just want to encourage you that wherever there seems to be a resistance 
to defy their resistance and to go running to those basic necessities of the word, of prayer, of worship. When was the last time that you sang out a song in your car to the Lord? Um, There's something that is life-giving in that, and we're really not fully alive unless we're worshiping the Lord. And so I'm, and I am speaking to myself right now. I am in a, a season. Um, can I, can I get a, (laughs) can I get like a Hunger Games tribute hand sign to all the, the moms with kids that are out for summer or caregivers that have kids out for summer? Whew. I became a mom of three in the last school year, and and I've been adjusting to that. But now everybody's out of school, and um, I have not got a rhythm down. I'm seeking the grace and the face of the Lord to find a rhythm. But there is nothing um, that is calculated and, and precise about what my life schedule and rhythm looks like right now. And I just know if you have been thrown kind of into a summer schedule with your other life responsibilities, you are probably in the, the middle of that. And so anyway, I, as much as anyone, have found myself in, in this season of coming back to the basics of worshiping, of not of not um, neglecting uh, prayer, though certainly I don't uh, do it as much as I I would would like to as far as an intentional time. I'm praying throughout the day, but and, and as far as opening my word and having my face in the passages that have been familiar to me. Um, so where there is a resistance, that resistance is from the enemy. So um, so this is a, a great example that what I want to encourage you with today. The Lord literally just breathed life into um, a, a struggling place in my heart today. And if I would not have opened the Word, it would not have happened. So there's life waiting for you, even as we begin right now. So um, I'm going to begin actually in Matthew chapter 3, in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee. That's important. I want you to remember he came from Galilee to John, talking about John the Baptist at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. Verse 14, But John tried to prevent him, saying, It is I who need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? But Jesus replied to him, Permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John permitted him. After Jesus was baptized, he came up immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he, John the Baptist, saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting or landing on him Jesus. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. So a little bit of context about what is going on here. John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. We know, if you remember uh, the the Bible story of when Mary finds out she's expecting, um, the angel of the Lord sends her, and she goes on to connect with a relative named Elizabeth, who is also expecting. There were two unlikely women, one an old woman, one a virgin, um, that that had miraculous pregnancies. And and when Mary approached Elizabeth, you will remember that... um, Um, the baby that Elizabeth was carrying leapt within her womb, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to praise and prophesy. So 
this are this is the two characters that we're reading about as adults. That was the version of them in the womb. So Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist, and um, and Mary, of course, was carrying Jesus. So they are relatives. They have um, they both have a ministry and a call in their life. And um, Jesus, of course, the call in his life is um, is is to be our our savior in in this ministry on earth. And John the Baptist's ministry was to prepare a way for Jesus. So Jesus. Um, goes from Galilee, that's important to remember, to John at the Jordan River because John's baptizing people there. John has developed quite a reputation. He dresses crazy. He acts crazy. If you've watched the Chosen series, I highly recommend that. That is a free streaming program. You can watch it online. You can watch it on your phone, on your television. I love the way that they depict John the Baptist and all of his strange and, and nuanced ways. Of course, they're using um, you know, a, a creative liberty, but I think that they really help you get to thinking in, in probably a direction that is something like the character of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist had been preparing a way for Jesus, letting everyone know, hey, basically the, the Savior's on the way, the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And um, and he was telling them to repent, and repent simply means to change your way of thinking, to turn around. And he was baptizing them, and this baptism was like a symbol of their act of repenting, that they were choosing to turn from their way toward the way, um, which is, is Jesus, that, that John is preparing the way for to, to shift from, from sin um, to receiving righteousness. So when Jesus comes up to John the Baptist, you can imagine this natural hesitancy that John the Baptist is like, I, I'm not worthy to, to baptize you, and you don't need to be baptized because you're not a sinner. There's nothing that you need to repent from. Um, I, I'm, I'm adding some, some context here. And so just think about that. You know, why was Jesus baptized? Why did Jesus engage in this act that showed um, that showed a shift of, of, of changing from a sinful nature um, to, to turning toward what would be a, a righteous uh, nature as the kingdom of heaven came near? And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a minute. But um, I want to talk about the significance of the Jordan River. So uh, there, literally, there's so much life in the Word that when it says that Jesus came from Galilee, and we're going to come back to that from Galilee, and He went to John at the Jordan River. What The Jordan River is a huge huge geographic anchoring point for uh, for the Bible. There are a lot of things that happen in, at, on, or around the Jordan River. But specifically, I want to paint this picture. When we read about God bringing His people that were slaves, the nation of Israel, the Hebrews that would later become the nation of Israel, when He brings them out of slavery in Egypt, and they are going to conquer and cross into the promised land in the Canaan and Jericho uh, area, he brings them across the Jordan River. They have to cross the water. And, and what happens is that he sends his priest at that time. This is Old Testament. You can read about this in the Old Testament. 
He sends his priest, and he tells them to go and stand in the water, to walk into the water so that the water around them parts, just like it had uh, when they crossed the Red Sea coming out of Egypt. When the water parted that time, that was for the purpose of, uh, of delivering them out of that place of slavery. But this time in the Old Testament, when they get to the Jordan and the priests go in and the waters part, he's not just delivering them out of their condition of slavery. He's bringing them into the place of promise. And of course, the wilderness era is what existed in between those times. So um, it goes on in, in this passage in the Old Testament, I'm just summarizing it for you, that the priests go in, the waters part, and then they go stand in the middle of the parted waters, those who were assigned to this duty, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant at that time, um, it represented the presence of God. It had different, it, w- it was a literal Ark that was carried, it was revered is holy, and it had um, some specific items in them, um, manna, which is what the Lord had used to feed them with, um, the testimony, which was, was the law. Um, some of the the anointed instruments that had been used to perform miracles while they were in the wilderness period of time. So they had the these items and and they went and stood as the waters parted and then and then people would begin to pass by. And so you have this picture in the Old Testament of the waters parting in the Jordan River so the people might come from slavery and from wilderness into their promise and their inheritance as the priest led the way for that to happen. So if you can think about that and then think about who is Jesus right now, Jesus is referred to as our high priest. And so you have him going into the same Jordan River and the waters parting in the sense that he goes, into the water, and he comes back up out of the water. And he's doing this as he begins his public ministry, which is going to quite literally pave the way for us to come into promise and inheritance, leaving slavery, leaving wilderness period of time. And so it's just, a, it, there's a lot of history right here, even in the fact that Jesus is going to stand in the same place that the ark, I mean, general place, that the ark of the covenant stood before, that the priest had stood before so that people could cross through. Jesus is going to stand in that place to be baptized and to part those same waters. So, Moving moving ahead in this text, when John the Baptist is saying, no, I need to be baptized to be, I'm the one that, that is unrighteous, and Jesus says, permit it for now, for this is the f- this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. When Jesus chooses to go into the water to be baptized, he is really making a bit of a declaration that for this moment in time, he is identifying himself with the people who are also being baptized that are realizing their need for repentance and their need for the kingdom of heaven. So he is he is acquainting himself with the nature of sinners in this action of him doing this. And it was just a repulsive thought to John the Baptist. Some of the other gospels say that he tried to to talk him out, out of it. But Jesus knew 
his purpose, and he knew his ministry, and that was to bring the sinner into righteousness through laying his life down on the cross. So we see that Jesus is obedient to go into these baptismal waters and to associate himself like the sinner who is repenting and, and turning turning their life toward the kingdom of heaven. Of course, Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. And so God is so gracious that I love that it says, after he was baptized, he came up immediately out of the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw, John saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and landing on Jesus. And then a voice from heaven said, this is my son, and who I am well pleased, I am well delighted. And so Jesus chose for a moment to identify um, his ministry to sinners in this act of baptism, but Father God immediately sends the Spirit to identify Him as a Son that is loved and that whom He is well pleased and delighted with. And I would just say, in the nat- like in the in the spiritual, for any of you that have 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 entered into a place of repentance and receiving Christ in your heart, um, you don't need to identify with um, being a sinner. Anymore, you need to identify with being made the righteousness of God, and you need to know that the moment that you are born again, that you are delighted in, that you are loved, and that you have the Holy Spirit on you in the same way that Jesus that Jesus was. So anyway, I just wanted to point those things out. This is ancillary to the rest of where we are going, but it is important if you understand why Jesus was baptized, that he was choosing, choosing to identify himself with the sinners whose nature he would take on on the cross to then give us the nature of righteousness, which is alluded to in verse 15. Permit it for now. This is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So after this huge moment happens of of Jesus being affirmed um, by the open heavens, um, the temptation of Jesus occurs chapter 4. And I'm not going to read all of that, but it it basically says that for for 40 days and 40 nights, he had gone into the wilderness, and he was being led by the Spirit, but the devil was there to tempt him. And the devil used about every mechanism that you could think of to try to get Jesus to be less than dependent on the Father to carry him through. He even used the Word of God against Jesus, but Jesus is the Word of God. So that didn't work out super well. But for 40 days, he endures temptation. And then in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, The devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him. Verse 12, and this is where we're really going to anchor in for the rest of our time together. Now, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested and put in prison, he left for Galilee. So he had come from Galilee to the Jordan River. During his time of temptation, um, he had had gone into Jerusalem and then was taken different areas during that period of time. You can read about it earlier in Matthew chapter 4. But then Jesus hears that John the Baptist has been arrested and put in prison, and he leaves for Galilee. And this begins the public ministry of Jesus. That's literally the, the header here in Matthew chapter chapter 4. Now, 
what's it talking about that John the Baptist has been arrested and put in prison? Well, John the Baptist had um, had kind of uh, turned over some tables, so to speak, with with Herod and Herodias, and he he'd gotten some folks angry in high places, and um, they are going to arrest him, put him in prison, and they're ultimately going to to kill him. John the Baptist will be beheaded and he will die. And so we know, again, as I said before, that John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus, that he is a a front runner in the ministry of Jesus. So um, presumably someone very near to the heart of Jesus Christ. And later it says, when Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, he says that there's never, ever been another prophet like John the Baptist. So both in a, a natural uh, sense and in a spiritual sense, John the Baptist was someone near and dear to the heart of God. He carried a calling unlike anyone in the Bible besides Jesus, and he was literally a relative of, of Jesus. And so think about everything that has just happened Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit, we're talking highs, lows, highs, lows. You could read through the text of Matthew 3 and Matthew 4, and you could just mark high, low, high, low, high, low. With all of these things that are going on, he's baptized, the heavens open, um, the, the Spirit of God lands on him, the Father speaks over him, then the devil enters the scene, he tortures and tempts him for 40 days, um, There there's false promises involved, angels are involved in coming to minister to him, um, and then he receives word that John the Baptist has been arrested and put into prison, and the old Ultimately, he is going to die. And it is at that time that Jesus leaves for Galilee. He came from Galilee, remember, to initiate initiate this uh, fulfillment of righteousness, as chapter 3, verse 15 would say. And now, after all these things have happened, the 40 days in the wilderness and temptation, and then hearing the heartbreaking news that John the Baptist has been arrested and put in prison and that death is going to be the outcome of that, it is at this time that he leaves to go back to Galilee and that he begins his public ministry. I just, as a, on a human level, because Jesus was fully God and fully man, I want you to just let that sink in. He's been alone in the wilderness for 40 days being, I mean, the angels were there ministering to, to them, but he has been leaning into the Holy Spirit that God sent to rest on him. He has been clinging to the word of God, but he has been physically hungry. Verse 2 of chapter 4 says that for 40 days, he has been under attack, 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 attack. And then when that period of time comes to an end, he finds out that his forerunner in ministry has been arrested and that it's going to end in death. And it's at this exact time that he is to begin his public ministry. Is it just me, or doesn't that just sound like horrible timing? Doesn't it sound like horrible timing to begin the call on your life, to fulfill the call on your life while you have just been in such a wilderness for so long? 
and then coming out of that wilderness only to find out that the one person that had been divinely yoked with you in ministry, meaning like there was angelic involvement saying, this is going to be your role, this is going to be your role, I'm even going to put you in the same family, that the one person that you've been yoked up with, that now they're going to exit the scene this side of heaven. Yet now is the time to return to Galilee and to begin your public ministry. Think about it. The timing is terrible in the natural. It's terrible. But it's divine. And that verse just so ministered to me this morning. Verse 12, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested and put in prison, he left for Galilee. And then it talks about how he began to preach the message that John had started ahead of him, which was repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Speaking of of himself and his rule and his reign, first beginning in our hearts. And then it gives the account in verse 18 of Jesus calling his first disciples, some of the fishermen that you'd know the story of. And then in verse 23, it begins to describe his first ministry, which occurred in Galilee, as he continued to preach and then to teach about the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and how all of these signs and, and wonderful things occurred and, and, these, and these crowds came, came about and, and the ministry of Jesus then began, of course, to spread like wildfire. But I would just propose that the ministry of Jesus, the public ministry of Jesus, it began in a place where Jesus' flesh had been weakened and his heart had been broken. And for 40 days, he had been totally dependent on the Word and Spirit of God to carry him through in such a way that coming out of that and finding out about the arrest and the loss of your relative and your your ministry, your ministry forerunner. Those things still just carrying you through that time. And so what does all this have to do with you? And what does it all have to do with me? I just know because I feel it in my own spirit. The Lord is calling people into the ministry of their lifetimes right now. And I don't mean platform and podcast when I say ministry. Ministries look very, very different for different people. But for all of us, our ministry, like John the Baptist, is to prepare a way for the Lord to come in to the lives and the hearts and the homes, prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of the kingdom, synonymous, I'm saying the same thing, into the, the lives and the hearts and the homes of those that are around us. So whether that is our workplace, whether that is our actual home, whether that is a classroom, or whether that is um, something that looks like more vocational ministry, or whether that is serving in an area that, that God has called you to, or starting a business that He has called you to, we are in a season that there is an advancement in the kingdom, and there is a call of people to go and to begin the ministries that God has put on their hearts. And I just want to say that if you feel 
like you are exasperated, that your flesh has nothing left, that your heart is broken because of loss and adversity. It was in those very circumstances that Jesus begins his ministry. I really just had never thought about that. But to reference the chosen again, and this makes sense because the Lord knew he was going to minister this passage to me. But in the chosen, Jesus has an encounter with John the Baptist. And and he's talking to him before he departs um, to be arrested and and ultimately to, to die. And Jesus knows what is coming, the way that they portray it. And they have a very brotherly type of conversation. And then John the Baptist leaves, and you just kind of see Jesus silently weeping, knowing that that it would be um, on the other side of Jesus' resurrection before he would would be with him again. And just seeing that that heartbreak uh, come come to life was really, really eye-opening. And again, I encourage you to to watch that. But what this tells me that Jesus was willing to go back to Galilee, to go back to the place that that God had called him to initiate this public ministry, that there was a burning desire in his heart to be obedient to the Lord above the needs of his heart, above the needs of, of his physical body. Because not only did he go on to, to do the basics of, of calling his disciples immediately, meaning, meaning creating space and margin for, for new runners in his ministry beyond what, what John the Baptist had done, but we know that immediately his ministry was effective. We read it in the same chapter that he went throughout teaching and preaching and healing and revealing who he was by nature of doing these things. It says the news about him spread and everyone was brought to him and large crowds followed him. So if, if Jesus can come out of the wilderness if Jesus can receive heartbreaking news and in the midst of all of that, be obedient to move forward with the early stages of his, of his public ministry that are ready to explode with fruit and fire. And if Jesus had the Spirit of God on him, the same Spirit that I have in me today, then that tells me there's enough Word of God available for me and there's enough Spirit of God available for me to move forward in obedience even when my physical body doesn't feel like it and even when my heart stings because Jesus has done it. And the provision, it must have just showed up. It must have just showed up as Jesus walked past the boats and knew knew that his first disciples would be there as he'd go into the synagogues, and he knew that, that the people that needed to hear his word, that needed to be healed, that they would be there as Jesus just went in obedience and his ministry began to produce fruit and fire. And so that he goes from this, 
from, from all of these things, the next thing that's recorded in Matthew is the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's most famous sermon of all time that you can read about in, in other gospels as well in different accounts. But I just keep thinking about this, this headline in my Bible that says, Jesus begins his ministry with a verse that follows, when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested and put in prison, he left for Galilee. I think our natural instinct is to is to want to just stop and get everything in order and reach a place where we feel strengthened naturally and and where our ducks kind of seem to be in a row, so to speak. But I think that that most often the soil of our hearts is most fertile when we are in these situations where we have to be totally dependent on God because there's nothing, there's nothing left. There's no backup plan. There's no cabinet of food, so to speak. There's no um, known uh, partner in in ministry, or or no nor no known trustworthy contact that that we know that we can reach out to in our in our address book to to meet whatever the needs are ahead. It's just it's in this going place of total surrender where we are totally empowered by the Holy Spirit, totally reliant on the Word of God, and trusting that God is going to bring every provision into our vision as we step in that burning obedience to Him. And trusting, too, that as we step, those hurts of our heart are going to be healed and taken care of. They're going to be mended. And that that things aren't going to just come to a crashing halt because of limits that we feel in our human nature. Jesus began his public ministry in a very difficult time. Highs and lows. Hillsong has a song called Highs and Lows. It says, Highs and Lows, Lord, you're with me. Either way it goes. Though I rise or though I fall, Lord, you're with me through it all. And I think that that is my encouragement that I I want to conclude with today. So we really just have looked at the reality of of all that Jesus has has done in these short verses in between Matthew 3 and Matthew 4, that the Lord is with us in the highs and lows. In the, in the verses that talk more about his temptation period in the, the wilderness, it says that that the devil would take Jesus upon the heights and that he would he would promise him things. He would show him things and he would he would promise to give those things if if Jesus would just do ABC. Which usually comes down to to worshiping worshiping Satan. And Jesus would rebuke him with the word of God. And I think that even what's interesting if you if you look at the very specific temptations or propositions that are given from Satan to Jesus. They're all things that Jesus is going to have anyway by the end of the story, including 
the the natural territories on the earth that Satan is showing him, those are all Jesus' inheritance. Those are going to come under his kingship and his authority. He tells him at at one point to uh, to to turn stones into to food and and to then injure himself, try to injure himself so that angels will come and minister to him. And Jesus kind of rebukes the heart of what Satan is saying. But what's interesting is that at the end of the passage, and actually I believe in John, it says that throughout the, continually throughout the process, angels would come and minister to him. And then in verse 11 of chapter 4, it says that when the devil left, the angels came and they fed him and they ministered to him. So everything that Satan tried to tempt Jesus with was was really a lot. In many ways, it, it was a timing thing. He was trying to to get Jesus to to prematurely do without the leading of the Spirit, without the approval of the Father, to seek these things that were very much part of what Jesus's inheritance would be, some shorter term than others in terms of having angels there to minister to him, to feed him, and then and then the heavens and the earth, you know, being part of the rule and the reign of Jesus. And so I think about the, how, how Satan literally took him to a height. It would make make him these propositions, premature propositions, and how God, Father God, and Spirit of God, they were with Jesus at those heights and then in the lows where he was physically hungry and provision was on the way. We can learn from that. Highs and lows are not the metric that we should use in deciding if it's time to be obedient to Jesus or to the Lord in fulfilling the call of ministry on our lives. It is dependence on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And out of that, an obedience to Him that should determine fulfilling the ministry and the call of God on our lives. So I hope that thinking about the humanity of Jesus today and what he'd been put through the ringer for 40 days only to find out the most heartbreaking news possible that then at that time was when he was supposed to go back and fulfill fulfill his ministry. I just can't help but think the timing in the natural must have felt off a little bit. Like, what if, what if when he came up out of the water, when John the Baptist baptized him, and then everyone heard the approval of the Father, and they, they, those who did hear and did see, and they saw the Spirit of God ascending on him, and the voice of, of the opened heavens coming down. What if, what if that would have been the time for Jesus to begin his public ministry? Like, why not, God? That seems like in the natural, that seems to be like a great time. This high, this moment of, of high, this moment where everything everything feels good. There are people around to see the affirmation and the approval of the Father. But no, that high was followed by these immediate lows of wilderness temptation and of bad news about a beloved brother. 
but out of that low, I think creates this way that that we ascend into a place with the Father, a high that is not measured by man, that is not seen by man, but that's just conceived deep within our spirits. Think about that. What does that look like in your life? Are there lows that you're feeling right now that you are that you are using as a natural excuse to not move forward in going back to your Galilee to fulfill what you know God's calling you to do? If that is you, then I would just ask you to close your eyes, unless you're driving, don't close your eyes. But I want you to picture Jesus in the wilderness. And I want you to picture Jesus then receiving the heartbreaking news. And I just, I want you to let Jesus just weep with you for a minute because he does. He's that good. John 17 is where you can read about one of the times that Jesus wept. That's a whole other podcast episode we should do about Jesus crying. But let Jesus weep with you for a minute over your tired over the limitations of your natural and physical body and over the heartbreak of bad news, loss, and disappointment. And then let him dry your eyes. Listen to him speak his delight and his approval over you. Picture the heavens opening and the light that comes from his healing wings, talking about talked about in Malachi, just surrounding you in warmth and speaking peace to you. As he just picks you back up, he turns you back in the direction that he's called you to go. And he holds your hand as you take the first step toward that obedience. He's been there. The provisions ahead. The people are waiting for you to bring the kingdom to them. Jesus sees you. The timing isn't off. He's in the middle of it. I don't know who this is for. But I pray it blesses you and I pray that it mobilizes you. from isolation to forward motion and from despair into declaration that the kingdom of God is near. Psalm 75, 1 says, the Lord's name is near. And sometimes it is just that revelation of his nearness that is the strength of the word and the spirit needed to take our next step. So if you're coming out of wilderness, if you're being hit with bad news, disappointment and heartache, it may be exactly the right time that Jesus is calling you to step forward and to step out. If that is you, may it be so. In Jesus' name, God bless you. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 